Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. This man cannot remain power. The massive gaffe the president made related to regime change. Your government has been trying to walk that back. Does your words complicate matters? Number one, I'm not walking anything back. President Biden's budget. The biggest tax hikes in American history. Is going to cause significant problems. Military crime committed by Russia. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Tuesday. As always, just a lot of stuff to talk about. You hear about uh, Cousin Eddie and uh, his foot and mouth disease. Believe it or not, MSNBC host Stephanie Rule came out yesterday, and I can't understand why Joe Biden's approval ratings aren't as higher than they are. This just doesn't make any sense. What happened? Joe's such a genius. He has had so many. And this person was serious. MSNBC, Stephanie Rule. I, I don't understand it. I mean, we're just everything. He's had so many successes. <laughs> you can't make it up. Um, one uh, political analyst, Charlie Sykes, responding, saying, uh, well, first of all, he argued that voters were focused on other issues like border security, f- crime, and inflation, which is true. Uh, they're, not, they're not focused on what Biden thinks is important. Um, and that Biden's administration has suffered from muddled messaging. Mus- muffled, <laughs> muddled messaging. Uh, some would call it out and out lying, and we'll get to that in a minute. But do they, do they actually think this guy can do anything effectively? Sykes responded, he's not getting the credit for these things. I mean, that's part of the problem. Politics is about perception as well as reality, and Joe has not connected himself with a lot of that. <laughs> True and international suffered pressure. Joe has not connected himself with reality. That's Come what the on. guy said. <laughs> oh, you got that right. Joe's not connected with reality. Who I am I? I? I can't understand. Why Why isn't Joe just at top of the world and top of the polls? Yeah, the polling is not good. Not good at all. And y- Ukraine is sucking mud as well. I mean, he thought, remember everybody, you know, they said, is, is this a wag the dog? You know, when, when it first started happening, I, I even asked, you know, I, I didn't say it was, but I just asked the question, could this be a wag the dog to get Joe's numbers up? He, he can't even get good numbers on that. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said that the Russians have failed to take the Ukraine capital of Kiev, which he said was an objective for their forces. U.S. officials say Russian troops are redeploying not withdrawing from Kiev. Apparently there was some murmuring. Hey, look, we're seeing some of the armament back up and disappear. A U.S. official said today that any movement of Russian forces from around Kiev is a redeployment, not a withdrawal. And the world should not, uh, and the world should be prepared rather for a major offensive against areas of Ukraine. No one should be fooled by Russia's announcements, the official said. It also does not mean the threat to Kiev is over. Russia has failed in its objective of capturing Kiev and failed in its objective of subjugating all of Ukraine, but it can still inflict uh, inflict massive brutality on the country, including Kiev, 
Russia announced earlier today that it was withdrawing forces from Kyiv in hopes of laying a groundwork for a peace deal with Ukraine. Well, the talking heads now are saying, uh, no, that ain't happening. What is interesting, though, apparently uh, estimates are that um, Russia has over 75% of its military in the Ukraine battle, 75%, which uh, that's rather mind-boggling. I mean, we stop and think, 75% of all of Russians' military is, is battling Ukraine and they can't take it? Rather surprising. Now, this is weird. This next story, a um, little weird. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy plans to speak with Representative Madison Cawthorn after Cawthorn claimed publicly, he was on a podcast, publicly though, I've got the audio for you, play it in a second here, Claim publicly that he has witnessed Washington elites engaged in hard drug use and solicit attendees for orgies. Cawthorn recounted what he called an invitation to an orgy in an interview yesterday, saying that he has been sexually solicited by Washington officials. He also claims to have witnessed hard drug use and what he called espionage. McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, reportedly plans to address the young representative's comments after a rather heated discussion amongst the House GOP conference. Here's uh, Madison uh, Cawthorn, not McCawthorn, Madison Cawthorn from uh, this podcast that aired yesterday. The sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, I mean, it, being kind of a young guy in Washington with the average age of probably 60 or 70, and I look at all these people, a lot of them that I, I, you know, I've looked up to through my life, always paid attention to politics, guys that, you know, it, then all of a sudden you get invited to, like, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a, a, a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come. And I'm like, what, what, what did you just ask me to come to? Yeah. Uh, and then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Yeah. Uh, or, or the fact that, you know, there's some of the people that are leading on the movement to try and remove you know, addiction in our country. And then you watch them do, you know, a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. And it's like, wow, this is, this is wild. And then there's also kind of the whole espionage aspect of what goes on in Washington of, you know, so many people trade in secrets and there, there's a currency to secrets. And yeah. so uh, it, it's wild. And then, you know, there's members of, the, of the, the media, the journalists who kind of will keep nasty stories about you or about other people on a shelf. And then if you're about to kind of speak out against something they don't want you to, they'll come out and say, well, we're about to drop the story of when, you know, 17 years ago you did X, Y, and Z, and you don't want us to drop that story, do you? So we're, we're going to bully you back into this position. <laughs> uh, that is just a little weird. I mean, first of all, it's not a very pleasant thought. Elizabeth Warren, hey, Madison, would you like to come to an orgy at my house? <laughs> That's a sick thought. <laughs> Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Nancy Pelosi. I will do anything. <laughs> oh, that's not a pleasant thought. But I, that, that is just weird. Uh, that's, uh, I, I have a hard time buying into that. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Madison has said some really strange things. I mean, I think one of the stranger things, I mean, he's a newlywed and his wedding, his marriage didn't last, what, seven months? 
And he comes out and says, well, you know, it was a lot, a lot of pressure on there and, you know, just a hectic life, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I just, I have a hard time with Madison. I'm sorry. I know he's conservative. I, there's just some weirdness about the guy. Um, Kevin McCarthy intends to meet with Cawthorn to discuss the experiences he described on the podcast, according to McCarthy's office. Cawthorn was asked on the show to compare the real world to Washington, D.C. To, to, to the depiction in the city in the hit Netflix show House of Cards. Asked whether the show, which depicts violent crime, illegal dealings, drug use, and sexual promiscuity as commonplace in the nation's capital, was closer to a doc, documentary than fiction, Cawthorn said. He recalled a quote from a former president he agreed with. I heard a former president that we had in the 90s was asked a question about this, and he gave an answer that I thought was so true. He said, the only thing that isn't accurate about that show is that you could never get a piece of legislation about education passed so quickly, Cawthorn told the host. Cawthorn's claims reportedly stirred ire from the House Republican Conference, according to Politico. The outlet claimed that Steve Womack from Arkansas stood to speak and complained he was receiving questions about the alleged sex parties and drugs. Other Republicans have expressed a desire for Cawthorn, Cawthorn to name the individuals described, according to Politico. Cawthorn did not reply to Fox News for a response. I'm, I, I'm sorry. That's just that's just really really weird. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. That that never happens. I'm not saying that everybody in Washington is is a saint. I'm not saying that there's no sexual escapades in Washington. I just have a hard time believing. Hey, come on. Here's this new young guy. Come on. We're having an orgy in my house. Why don't you come on over? <laughs> By the way, Donald Trump has announced that he will hold a rally over in the Greater Triangle area next month, Trump will speak April the 9th in Selma, North Carolina, to support Ted Budd and other candidates he has endorsed. The Johnson County town of about 7,000 lies roughly 30 miles southeast of Raleigh. Is there an airport there that he can fly into? <laughs> I, I just would think a town of 7,000 wouldn't have a real big airport. Uh, but a member of the U.S. House is running for uh, Richard Burr's Senate seat, along with Pat McCrory, Mark Walker, and Marjorie Eastman, and a handful of others. Uh, Trump, of course, endorsed Bud last year at the North Carolina GOP convention in Greenville. Five six one eight two five five. Let's go to Mike. Hey, Mike, how are you, sir? Hey, how you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good. Hope you are. I'm doing well. I watched that podcast with Madison Cawthorn. Yeah, tell me about I know it. Exactly. I know the. Uh, I the person doing the interviewing, uh, I would trust more than anybody on any of the mainstream media news or Fox News. Okay, I'm not. I've seen uh, a, a segment of. I, I will confess, I didn't have time to watch the whole thing. I watched probably a third of it. I, I'm not familiar and with I'm, the guy that I'm does very, the podcast. I'm very familiar with the interviewer, with the guy that did that. And like I said, I would trust him more than I would trust the vast majority of people in the media. Okay, well, what does that have to do with and what Madison Cawthorn said, though? I believe that Madison Cawthorn is telling the truth. I think that, that uh, Washington, D.C. is a sewer. Oh, I agree with that. Sick. I agree with and, that. 
and you have, but you're saying you don't think that this is running rampant. I but find you it. have people with absolute power that are completely and totally corrupt. You know, you have Nancy Pelosi, the daughter of the the mob boss of Baltimore, Maryland, and she she's spending millions of dollars flying on public airplanes. You don't think she's having? All kinds of parties. I remember there was a certain. I don't think she's having an orgy. With a blue dress in the White House. No, I agree. JFK was having orgies in the swimming pool in the basement of the White House. I'm. I said I'm not saying uh, it doesn't happen. I just find it very odd that he would come out and say that he was invited to that. I I just find I Matt. I, I think. Okay, I well, think it's we disagree. We disagree. I, no, I, I, rampant, okay. uh, rampant. I don't know. I, I, commonplace, perhaps. Rampant might be an overstatement. And I know I'm, I'm uh, splitting hairs here, but uh, I, I, yeah, I just uh, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm naive, but I just, I just find, I just I find which, Madison which an enigma. Not have it happen. I find Madison an enigma. That's all. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the call. Five six one eight two five five. If you want to chime in, I mean, I have no inside knowledge. I mean, Madison might be totally correct. I just find Madison an interesting individual, and I'm not. I just, I don't know. Call it intuition, whatever. I just, I mean, I like what he stands for in his conservative policies, but some of the things he's come out with in his personal life are just. Uh, if nothing else, he's, I don't know, is, is, does he just like to be in controversy? Carolina Journal is reporting that the voter ID briefs have been submitted. The oral arguments before the North Carolina Supreme Court will take some uh, place uh, sometime later this spring. I'm looking for a date here. But in the briefs from the Republicans, basically what they're saying is, listen, you know, this is trying to be framed, this court case is trying to be framed as somehow this is racist. And this is disenfranchisement against blacks. Well, in this brief, among other things, they're saying, well, what's interesting about this is Senator Joel Ford, an African-American Democrat, is one of the co-sponsors of the bill. The Republicans went out of their way to create a bill that they would be absolutely sure what is happening wouldn't happen. And yet it's happening. Why? Because the Democrats won't cheat. <laughs> the outcome uh, was... Um, what is her first name? Nicole Moss, who represents the Republican state legislative leaders, quote, in the fall of 2018, the people of North Carolina, by a 55.5% to 44.5% margin, adopted a constitutional amendment requiring photo voter ID and directing the General Assembly to enact implementation of the legislation. The General Assembly at the time could have enacted a voter ID without any Democrat votes or without any Democrat input whatsoever, wrote Moss referencing the fact that at the time they had a veto-proof supermajority in both chambers. But that's not what the General Assembly did with SB 824. Instead, the Republican supermajority worked closely with Senator Joel Ford, an African-American Democrat who co-sponsored the bill, adopted the majority of amendments offered by the Democrats, obtained several Democratic votes for the bill, 
and otherwise engaged with Democrats every step of the way, gardening thanks even from the bill's opponents. So even those who opposed the bill came out and said this was done in a very equitable manner. Quote, the outcome was was one of the most voter-protective voter photo ID laws in the nation, Moss wrote. Quote, plaintiff's only real criticism of the process is that Republican legislators did not wait until they lost a veto-proof majority before proceeding with a voter ID bill as the North Carolina Constitution required. So it was passed as a constitutional amendment, and then it was up to the General Assembly to put it into law, to, to codify it into the Constitution. And those who are against this now are trying to vilify the Republicans. Why? Because they didn't wait until they lost the supermajority. <laughs> what kind of jackass reasoning is that? Uh, so in other words, it's not fair that the North Carolina voters gave you a supermajority when they elected so many of you to office. <laughs> like somehow that was the Republicans' fault. And therefore, therefore, since you have a supermajority, you're not allowed to do anything. I mean, that's how the—listen, this is exactly how they thought over at the North Carolina Supreme Court when they argued the district maps, the district and congressional maps. That's exactly what they said. You all can't have any kind of advantage in this. Don't you know that you got to go out of your way and make sure that the Democrats and the Republicans both have equal footing, even though the Democrats weren't voted into office to draw up the maps? Well, that's basically what the, the critics of the voter ID are saying. Why would you put this into law with a supermajority? Why didn't you wait until the Democrats were in charge? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Interestingly, uh, now I haven't dug into great detail, but just as a glance, it looks like the latest briefs from Attorney General Josh Stein's uh, Justice Department, uh, it looks like their basic argument. Now, I I, I know that the devil is in the details in this, but it looks like their basic argument is backing the Republican legislature, and the voter ID law. Plaintiffs encourage this court to ignore federal circuit court cases examining SB 824 and similar voter ID laws in reviewing the the trial court's order. They do so by arguing those cases are not binding and by pointing out they analyze those laws under the Equal Protection Clause of the United States Constitution and not the Equal Protection Clause of the North Carolina Constitution. While not binding, the Federal Circuit Court cases referenced by the state defendants in their brief are persuasive, if not highly persuasive, and should be given due consideration by the court. We'll see where it goes. I'm trying to see. Uh, the oral argument comes up soon. I mean, the oral argument, yeah, right. these were the written briefs, and the oral argument will come up soon. So we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. Much more to talk about. 561-8255. If you want to chime in, I'll be right back.
I just don't know where we're going as a country. It's not a disgrace. In a world gone insane. We're just looking for things to be upset about. There is still a place. It's just insane around the country what's going on. I mean, what happened to law and order? And encouragement. I'm busting my ass to try to get to where I am. Through conversation. Right here on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Quick look at your weather forecast. Tonight, partly clearing, around 38. Partly cloudy skies in the morning, becoming overcast in the afternoon. Tomorrow's highs are going about 70, so it's going to be fairly warm as compared to today. And uh, tomorrow night, the clouds come in, a little around 62. Thunderstorms hit us on Thursday, 70% chance of rain. And uh, some storms could be severe, so uh, just be aware of that. Thunderstorms uh, Thursday evening will give away to partly cloudy skies, a low of 62. Then Friday, Friday looks nice. High of 71 and lots of sunshine. So if you want to get outside, if you want to get out and play some golf, warmer weather is here. What a better way to enjoy the outdoors with family and friends than being greenside or poolside. Voted best golf course in Greenville three years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club is waiving all initiation fees and wants you to join in on the fun and become a member today. Not a golfer? Well, Ironwood's new social membership includes access to the competition-sized swimming pool, clay-surfaced tennis courts, and member-only full-service restaurant. For more information, contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252-752-4653. Uh, interesting. Matt Gates introduced legislation today dubbed the spook who cried wolf Resolu- resolution. I don't know who came with that name, but here's what it does. It would bar security clearances for 51 intelligence officials who signed on to a letter in the fall of 2020 claiming that the story about Biden, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop was a part of a Russian disinformation operation. Gatz said in the press release on October 2020, 51 former intelligence officials signed a letter titled Public Statement on Hunter Biden Emails, which claimed Hunter Biden emails were a part of a Russian disinformation operation following the censorship of the New York Post expose on the emails by big tech and media tycoons. The New York Times confirmed the legitimacy of the emails just last week, a week and a half ago. As of March 22nd, 2022, four of the 51 signatories maintained their support for the erroneous letter. Um, included in these 51, Jim Clapper, Mike Hayden, Leon Panetta, John Brennan, uh, who else would you recognize in here? Um, a lot of, a lot of names that you probably would not recognize, but remember when that letter came out, I mean, people were just falling all over themselves. How can you possibly disagree with these, these geniuses that have so much information? I, I, I like this. Matt Gates is basically saying, okay, we're going to take away your credentials. The um, There is a tax probe into Hunter Biden covered by the Wall Street Journal, and uh, they're investigating a lot of uh, just odd things that Hunter has been involved in. Uh, you know, he's painting these p- 
pictures and getting hundreds of thousands of dollars for it. And he's an, he's not an artist. He just sort of does, you know, his doodling. And then somebody from China pays off. I mean, this is how they, this is how foreign countries pay off guys like Joe Biden through relatives, in this case, through Hunter. They want to find out how did you have the money to purchase a 142,000 plug-in hybrid sports car whose manufacturer defaulted on a massive Obama administration loan touted by Cousin Eddie, Joe? This according to a report that came out yesterday. You know what's interesting about this? I mean, remember um, what was the uh, what was the big uh, boondoggle that uh, I'm looking for it here in the uh, article? Of course, we all, all know about the uh, Burisma Holdings and how Hunter was receiving eighty three thousand dollars a month, a million dollars a year. But remember the the number of just terrible deals that uh, in the name of green energy that the Obama administration did. Well, now this question, uh, this car in question was built by Friska Karma. It was a startup company after it got $529 million in loan guarantees from the U.S. Department of Energy to develop the Karma and convert an abandoned General Motors factory in Biden's hometown of Wilmington, Delaware, for a line of family-oriented electric vehicles. Well, this sports car was anything but a family car. Joe was vice president at the time and claimed that the Green Energy Initiative would create up to 2,000 jobs for assembly workers and serve as a roadmap we all can accomplish for everyone as we work together. But Fisker went bankrupt in 2013 after receiving $192 million in federal loan payments. The Department of Energy later admitted losing $139 million in taxpayer money on the deal. That was the most since they lost in 2011 under Solyndra, $528 million. Yeah, $528 million here, $192 million there. Man, talking about some real money, right? So um, prosecutors, again, this is out of the Wall Street Journal, New York Post, numerous um, publications. The, the question is, are they going to uh, indict? I mean, it's before a grand jury. Are they going to indict Hunter Biden? Now, just within the last two weeks, he cut a check to a million dollars for the IRS. So the speculation is he's got his fanny out of the sling on the tax evasion charge. But uh, there is Zoe Kestan, who's 28. She bore the child of Hunter Biden. Uh, she was the stripper slash prostitute. I, I'm just telling you the facts. I'm not trying to besmirch this individual. But she was the stripper slash um, prostitute who had an affair with uh, Biden. She was 28. He was 52. Uh, talk about robbing, robbing the cradle. And, of course, he's, you know, he was, uh, she was the mom, he was the dad, but when it first became public, you know, he denied the whole thing. 
Prosecutors have been gathering evidence and presenting a grand jury testimony about the paperwork behind the car's purchase. And uh, it was purchased by his financial company, Rosemont Seneca. Rosemont Seneca was described as a um, shell entity owned by former Hunter Biden business partner, Devon Archer, who last year went to prison. Uh, He went to prison for uh, scamming members of the Sioux tribe of American Indians. It's, it's a a pretty thick mess. And uh, it looks to me like uh, there's a good possibility Hunter will end up. Well, I don't know. I I, I don't, I don't dare say he'll end up in prison. I mean, somehow (laughs) if this is Donald Trump's son, he'd already be in prison. Town Hall is reporting all the family secrets were on the Hunter laptop. The laptop was dismissed as a distraction and Russian disinformation. The New York Post wrote about it early on prior to the general election. The New York Times basically poo-pooed the whole story, said it was the distraction until 18 months later. Last month they came out and they said, oh, maybe it is real. A poll was done. How important do you think the Hunter Biden laptop is? Two-thirds of Americans think the Hunter Biden laptop story is important. And the same percentage think that Joe Biden was somehow involved in foreign business dealings, according to the poll. Yeah, he's the big guy. Republicans say they will investigate the whole ordeal once they take back the majority in the House, which could very likely happen in 2020 midterms. Uh, Nancy can only afford to lose a handful of Democrats, and right now it doesn't look like that's going to happen for Nancy. This Rasmussen reports poll of a thousand likely voters taken earlier in the Mar- in March, uh, saying a week ago, it shows that 66 percent think that the laptop story is important, even though many media outlets downplayed the validity of initial reports claiming the device belonged to Hunter Biden. I mean, it, listen. They still aren't covering it. When asked by pollsters if Joe Biden was consulted about and perhaps profited from his son's Hunter overseas businesses deals, uh, Americans didn't signal much confidence in the president. 65% said it was likely the president was involved. 48% said it was very likely. 17% said somewhat likely. Only 28% of total respondents said it was either not very likely or not likely at all that the president was consulted or profited. And was this story covered? If, if it was, now this is part of the poll, if this story was covered back during the election, 17% of Biden supporters would not have supported him had they known about the laptop story during the election. That means Donald Trump would have cruised to a second term. The GOP possibly could have clinched a unified government again, retaking the House, keeping the Senate. Um, it, it, the story would be much different. So at, at what point, as these news outlets are, are like the New York Times, I mean, it's going it's to be a matter of time, especially if Hunter Biden is indicted, that these news outlets will have to cover this. But as Newsbusters reported earlier today, 
despite all these revelations about Hunter Biden's laptop, ABC, CBS, NBC have not allowed the name of Hunter Biden to cross the lips of any, any of those three networks news anchors since July 12th, 2021. How many days has that been? And not quite a year. Even after the newspaper of record, the New York Times finally reported on some of the explosive evidence contained in the laptop, the news networks remain silent. A poll conducted by Media Research Center in November 2020 found that 45% of Biden voters were unaware of the story. According to this then-MRC research director, Rich Noyes, quote, full awareness of the Hunter Biden scandal would have led to 9.4% of Biden voters abandoning the Democratic candidate, flipping all six of the swing states he won and uh, giving them to Trump. Trump would have had 311 electoral votes and it would have been game over. Hey, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. More news and views coming right up. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. March 29th, 2022, it is National Vietnam War Veterans Day. Our thanks to all of you who uh, served our country in that way. Our thanks to those who made the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, Remember the AFC Divisional Playoffs? This last year, Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs flipped the coin. Kansas City got the ball. They scored. The game's over. Buffalo never had a chance. Today, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reported that the NFL has agreed to change its overtime rules in the playoffs, giving both teams an opportunity to possess the ball. According to NFL.com, if the score is tied after each team's first possession, then sudden death ensues. Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she is number one. I will do anything. She is the most unpopular national Democratic. Why do they keep saying Democratic? It's Democrat. The most unpopular national Democrat politician in the country, according to National Republican Congressional Committee poll obtained by the Daily Caller, Pelosi's running for re-election and is not ruling out the possibility of trying to stay in leadership after 2022, despite an agreement on term limits for leadership positions. However, polling conducted by the NRCC shows her lack of support throughout the United States. Pelosi has a favorable rating of just 34%, while 58% of voters view her unfavorably. It's hard to believe somebody could have worse numbers than both Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, but congratulations, Nancy Pelosi, you've done it. <laughs> you have pulled it off. She, uh, you know, Kamala probably is laughing. She's not the bottom of the barrel anymore. Now it's Nancy. When the NRCC first asked about Pelosi's favorability in February 2021, 41% of voters viewed her as favorable compared to 52% of the voters who viewed her unfavorable. Not good for Nancy. Yet at the same time, Nancy has come out and said that she fears for our democracy if Republicans take back the House this November. 
She explained in an interview published yesterday that it is, quote, essential that Democrats retain control of the House, and she said she fears for American democracy if Republicans were to take control of the House following the midterm elections. It was Time Magazine's Molly Ball that she was doing this interview with. It's absolutely essential for our democracy that we win. I fear our democracy if the Republicans were to ever get the gavel. We can't let that happen. I don't have any intention of the Democrats losing the Congress in November, Pelosi said. Um, Now, it's interesting that she really has, she came out and said some other things, but she really tried to tie this to November 6th. That if the Republicans win, it will be the end of our democracy. And then she points back to the, quote, capital riot. And, uh, you know, anarchy is going to happen if Republicans win back the House, the Senate, and the White House. Well, Nancy, I guess you better get ready because uh, unless you steal it again, it's going to happen. Joe yesterday came out and uh, talked about his budget. Interesting comment he made. Quote, well, the budget I'm releasing today sends a clear message to the American people what we value. <laughs> Joe finally got something right. Biden is aiming to shell out more than $11 billion for climate spending in other countries, according to the White House. More than $5.7 trillion budget. The proposal will come weeks after Congress approved the, five point, uh, the $1.5 trillion spending for the rest of this year. In a section titled Restoring America's Global Climate Leadership, the White House calls for more than $11 billion in international climate finance, which would effectively quadruple green energy spending on a global scale. U.S. international climate assistance and financing would accelerate the global energy transition to net zero emissions by 2050. It won't happen. Um, by the way, realize that the money that is going out to these third world countries, these banana republics, the money is going straight into some corrupt leader's pocket. It never gets the intended. I mean, you know, the, our American politicians come out and they play the violin and they tell you how wonderful all this stuff is and they're so compassionate, knowing full well that as soon as this money is handed over to these governments, it's not going for its intended purpose. It's going to buy mansions and Mercedes and Rolex watches, whatever the corrupt leader wants. He'll get it. Mark Morano, a former George Bush administration staffer, said the same thing. Uh, the UN, because they're giving up billions to the UN for this climate initiative as well. Uh, $5.3 billion to... Uh, the UN Clean Technology Fund. The UN can be expected to give most of the money to those leaders of countries willing to keep their citizens locked in back-breaking poverty, Morano said. Um, and forget cheap, reliable fossil fuels for the nations in the developing world who need it most. The U.S. will be imposing only green energy on those most in desperate need of energy. I mean, so, Hey, we're going to give you solar panels. Aren't we wonderful? People are starving to death. We're going to give you solar panels. It is interesting to watch how the White House lies 
I've come to the conclusion they actually schedule their lying. That's the only conclusion you can come to. That and the fact that Joe cannot remember anything. So uh, here's a prime example. On Monday, the Biden administration, the Biden collective, made the mistake of allowing their leader, the guy from the basement, to hold a press conference. At one point, CBS News correspondent Ed O'Keefe asked Cousin Eddie if he had gotten a chance to watch any of the Kentangi Brown-Jackson hearings last week. Biden answered simply, no, I I didn't get a chance to see any of it, unfortunately. Didn't see any of it. (laughs) Now, his handlers might have told him what he was supposed to say. They might have even written it out for him. I mean, you've seen these cue cards they hand him with all the answers. So he was all about, all about this nominee. Talk glowingly about her. Well, last week during the hearings, there was uh, the deputy press secretary, Chris Meager, who gave a lengthy statement about how Joe Biden had been watching the proceedings. Now, here is Biden from yesterday, immediately followed by this deputy press secretary. Listen how... They can't get their lies straight. Cut one. And did you get any chance to watch much of the Judiciary Committee here? I didn't get a chance to see any of it, The president watched portions of Judge Jackson's hearing yesterday and today and is proud of the way she is showcasing her extraordinary qualifications, her experience, and her even-handedness. Her dedication to following the facts, the law, and our Constitution as an independent judge is clear. He was also moved by the grace and dignity she has shown, the deference to senators, and the level of detail she is offering, reinforcing the value of her experience, her intellect, and the strength of her character. <laughs> but he got he got even deeper than that. The deputy press secretary, Chris Meager, he, he goes into great detail. I mean, the lying is... Just in great detail, he went on to say the president was particularly struck when reacting to Senator Leahy, Leahy, raising the broad support she received from the law enforcement community. Judge Jackson spoke about her family members who have served as police officers, saying, quote, and and he's quoting not her, but Biden, quote, I know what it's like to have loved ones who go off to protect and serve and the fear of not knowing whether they are going to come back home again because of crime in the community. Those are not abstract concepts or political slogans to me. As a former chairman of the Judiciary Committee, President Biden also appreciated her respect for the intent of lawmakers and the text of the law. He appreciated Judge Jackson's commitment to stay in the lane of justices, judges prescribed by the Constitution and her highlighting the importance of precedent. He was also struck about how swiftly she dismantled conspiracy theories put forward in bad faith. They've been debunked by numerous fact checks, experts, and the record itself. So, so when they, I mean, I, okay. It, 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 uh, I, I might, you know, with a wink and a nod, if, um, if this guy, uh, the, the, the deputy press secretary, Chris Meager, had come out and said, oh, yeah, he saw it. Yeah, he watched it and left it at that. I mean, yeah, that would still be a lie, but <laughs> he goes into great detail in his lies. Great detail. Now, I suppose it'll be interesting to see how 
the White House handles this, it's entirely possible that they will come out and say, uh, this is Joe we're talking about. He actually did watch it, but that was five days ago. And uh, Joe, uh, his memory isn't all that great. That's a possibility. We got to take another time out. We'll be right back. Eastern Carolina's place to talk about coronavirus. It's on the police. Everything. Give me liberty or give me COVID 19. Right now, more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 1037. Welcome back in. You know, what are people going to use that want to come to Joe's defense when they run out of excuses? I mean, how crazy will it get? This isn't, you know, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> Leon. True that. international over pressure. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Just, just anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Anyway. Um, Leon Panetta was on CNN. And uh, she was, he was on there with Allison Camerata. And it came up about his gaffes, his penchant for gaffes. You know, it used to be, ah, oh, it's just Uncle Joe. You know, it's, it's, just... Hairy legs. <laughs> it's just Joe. That's just Joe. He's just a good old guy. Uh, and that, that's getting a little old. So what did Pan, uh, Panetta come up with? Quote, I happen to think that Joe Biden, you know, he's Irish. Yeah, that's the newest excuse. He's Irish. And, uh, you know, being Irish, uh, that really, you know, that means he's got a great deal of compassion. When he sees people suffering, you know, it's uh, Biden's just overwhelmed by what Putin is doing. And so, therefore, you know, he just comes out. You know, he's a passionate, compassionate guy. So he comes out and says, regime change. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, the problem is it happens all the time. It's not just with what happened over in Ukraine when he was over there with all the other NATO leaders. It happens all the time, as I just played before the break. He can't get it straight to save his life. Why the hell would I take a test? <laughs> you don't really need to, Joe. Uh, you don't need to take the test because it's pretty obvious. The um, Marco Rubio, Senator Marco Rubio, came to Ron DeSantis's defense and the new state law, HB 1557. By the way, you know, we, we talked a lot about the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing yesterday. The, the other big controversy at the Oscars was all these morons from Hollywood got up not knowing what they're talking about and started, you know, vilifying HB 1557, which basically just says no sex education for kids under eight years old. Right. And we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Now, Disney is trying to destroy HB 1557 because all of their woke employees, or at least the woke employees that are down there, have all made a big brouhaha of it. Uh, Marco Rubio came out and made a great point. You're all worried about HB 1557, and yet 
you go over to film one of your new movies in communist China, just a stone's throw from where the Uyghurs are being held captive in concentration camps as slave labor. Well, yeah, I told, I think that's a double standard is what we call that. Hey, thanks for being with us today. We're off tomorrow. We'll see you Thursday, and uh, we'll play a little political trivia. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.